Welcome to They Didn't Teach Us That in Seminary, the official podcast of Broadmoor Baptist Church. I don't know about you, but once I hit the weekend, my brain turns off. It's very reassuring that I'm preaching today, I'm sure. (laughs) I forget everything. I have to take multiple trips back into the house. Multiple times I have left my keys in my car. My mom loves driving over to the other side of town for that. I wear the wrong shoes, I wear the wrong clothes. But now that I'm graduating from LSU, entering into the real world, every day feels like the weekend. So my brain, if I'm a little more excited today, not just because I'm preaching, but my brain needed a little extra spark, so I might be a little more excitable. 
I don't know if your mind is working today, and if you didn't turn it off for the weekend like I do, I want you to think back a few Sundays. I know it's hard. I don't remember what I had for breakfast. Maybe a donut. But just stick with me. Close your eyes. It's not an invitation to fall asleep, but close your eyes. Think all the way back to Easter Sunday. Think of all the traditions you kept. The carefully coordinated outfits, strategically placing your flowers on the cross, the obligatory selfie or picture in front of said cross. Maybe there was a grand feast that followed, or maybe you were traveling. Now think of the next day. What did you do on Monday? Monday after Easter. If you weren't on spring break, I bet you went back to work. Maybe you went back to school. Likely, you just went home. Probably just getting back to normal. Am I right? When the eggs have been found, someone once said, if you haven't found any more Easter eggs by June, you did not hide them well enough on Easter. <laughs> so when the eggs have finally been found, the pictures posted, the peeps and chocolate bunnies devoured, we get back to what we know, back to the familiar, back to the comfort of customs and routine, back to what we know. There's a scene at the end of the cinematic masterpiece in my all-time favorite movie, Finding Nemo. Yes. <laughs> it's after Nemo escapes from the dentist's office and he's reunited with his father, Marvin and Dory. After Nemo's fish friends spring from the aquarium, cross the busy intersection and plop into the ocean, there's a scene, a moment, when the fish stop moving, stop talking. They've reached the ocean, they've achieved their mission and the puffer, puffer fish says, now what? That's the question, isn't it? That is the Monday after Easter question. Now what? In fact, some scholars argue that the Gospel of John originally ended with chapter 20, I write these things that you may believe. After the baptism, the miracles, the testing, the trials, the torture, the crucifixion, the resurrection. And someone asked, now what? And maybe this goes beyond Easter. What's your now what? After tirelessly climbing a mountainous task or goal, you've reached the top. You've climbed your Everest. Whether that be graduation, promotion, retirement, you're there. You did it. You've taken in the view. You've maybe even camped out for a few days. But then you look down below and just think, now what? That's what the disciples asked. Now what? You know what Peter said? I'm going fishing. What? This is the Monday after Easter. One day after seeing the dead come to life and you go fishing? Like, really? We expect more than that, right? We expect more worshiping, more celebrating, 
Some door-to-door sharing of good news, right? Starting a new church, preaching, teaching, talk shows, interviews, writing a new book, trending on social media, something worthy of witnessing the dead coming back to life, right? And Peter says, I'm going fishing. Who's coming with me? Why? I mean, we're never explicitly told why. But what I think, since I have the microphone, I will tell you what I think. For me, it makes sense that they went back to what they knew how to do. It's human nature to do so. We gravitate towards the familiar, the things we understand and know how to do. Isn't that why we hang out with people who think like us, dress like us, feel like us? Isn't that why we hate to branch out to the unfamiliar, hesitate with that leap of faith, don't talk to the stranger who sits next to us? That's what you do Monday after Easter. Back to what you know how to do. Back to what you do when your dreams fall apart. The rug is ripped right out from under you. Back to what you know when the first plan left you dazed and confused. Back to work. After all, Jesus isn't here anymore to multiply fish, so I mean, someone's got to catch them. Anyway, it's what I know. It's who I am. I'm a fisherman. I was a fisherman when Jesus found me. I was a fisherman when he told me to keep fishing, but for people. How could I do that when I couldn't even stay away in the garden? I couldn't even admit I knew him in public. I wasn't good at fishing for people, but I'm good at fishing for, you guessed it, fish. Do you hear Peter there? The disciples lived in a time and place where on the whole, they would be not thanked for or praised for what they did. They would be arrested, beaten, threatened, and even killed. So here they are, the moment of decision. Preach to a world unwelcoming of change. I mean, look what they did to Jesus. Not knowing when or where you would eat or sleep. What sort of cross awaited you? Or go back to a good and stable job that you already knew how to do. So successful tripping, su- successful fishing trip, right? Wrong. The fishing trip was a disaster, to say the least. These professional fishermen out all night, not a single bite. Robert Kaiser, the theologian, states, we know how you feel, Peter. We know how it feels to fail, even at which we think we know best. We know failure, failure in business, failures in school, failures in marriage, failures in parenting, failures in friendship. We don't like to think about them. We would rather not admit them. And we hate to be reminded of them. But most of us know what it's like to fail. Even as the others and Peter failed that night. So here they are, fishing all night, doing what they know how to do, but not one fish. Not even like a snail, nothing. They've tried, tried everything in the book, 
every fishing hole that has ever produced for them. These are not novices here. The sun was just coming up, and they see a strange man down on the shore. They don't know him. He yells, how's it going? Translating to, are they biting? How many you caught? Well, we would not be out here still fishing if we caught something. No, we'd be back on the shore having breakfast. This guy right here is teasing us. Listen to him. Throw your net on the other side. <laughs> yeah. You think we would have tried that? We've tried everything. You know what? Just to humor you, I'll throw my net on the other side. And, oh, hold up. Abundance. The net tightens, the boat tilts, the men go to work. Abundance. An abundance of fish. They know from this abundance that it was Jesus on the shore. Wasn't in his voice, wasn't in the advice he gave. The abundance. You see, it wasn't Peter or the disciples' first time experiencing this type of abundance. Jesus stretched five loaves and two fish to feed thousands, which on many occasions I have seen my mother do with me and my sisters when we bring one too many guests to dinner. Abundance. No sooner had one of the disciples yelled, look, it's Jesus. Peter stripped and was halfway to shore. But what was the key to enjoying this abundance? Was it the disciples' hard work? No. These fishermen knew hard work. They had been doing this all night. But maybe the key to the abundance was their experience. These men were fishermen by trade. And the man on the beach was a carpenter. So it wasn't from experience. Maybe it was their knowledge. These men could have earned an honorary doctorate in fishing. They knew fishing holes, boats, nets, everything you could ever know. And yet, they caught nothing until this stranger showed up and told them what to do. Notice they didn't ask the stranger for help either. They didn't ask for prayer. It wasn't of their own initiative. But that's the thing. They didn't have to. It was obvious what they needed, what they were there for. The stranger knew their needs before they could even ask. He gave them what they wanted and needed before they could even have the courage to ask. In fact, not only did they not ask for help, when the stranger asked them, how's it going, all they could do was complain. Maybe that's it. Not complaining, but maybe the key to abundance is not in hard work, expertise, knowledge, or even asking. Abundance is a gift of God. They had admitted they had tried everything they knew how to do, but none of that had worked. Maybe we aren't enjoying abundance because we've been trying to seize it by our own efforts, our way or the highway. God is ever more ready to bless us with abundance than we are to ask for help. Y'all, we are smart people. We are experienced people. We are hard-working people. There's no doubt about that. But none of that matters if we aren't listening to Jesus, trusting him, 
In fact, without him, our nets will keep coming up empty. So here we are today, in our boat. We've been using our strategies, looking at Wikipedia, all the, book, all the fishing for dummy books, all of it. We've been making the good grades. We've been working hard. And it feels like we've been doing this all night. Yet it seems our nets are coming up emptier and emptier. Now, at a distance, there's one asking us how things are going. He's too far off to recognize. We don't recognize his voice. It's been too long, perhaps. Hard to hear his voice. There's so much busyness on this boat. Too much distraction. Just look at our calendars. Our eyes are on emptiness. What if we turn our eyes to the one who gives far more than we could ever ask for or imagine? What if we turn our eyes and ears to him? He may tell us to keep working, keep doing the same thing, but this time, we're listening to him. And we do what he says. It may not make any sense. It may not be how we would have done it. We're probably going to complain. But our eyes are on the Savior. Will our nets begin to fill up then? God is far more ready to bless us with abundance than we are to ask for help. Even if all we have is a complaint, he knows what we need, knows what we want. In fact, it's what he wants for us too. Now when Peter heard this, he swam to Jesus. I'm just asking you to walk to him this morning. Or better yet, spare a glance. Just look up. Please pray with me. God, trying this way through life, trying this life as a disciple of Christ is challenging. There are moments along the pathway that are sheer joy, moments of clarity, sometimes utter defeat and exhaustion. In all those moments, help us to turn our eyes to you. Our gracious God, you give us so much, so much abundance. You renew, you restore, bestow, and bless. Even when all we can do is complain, Lord, you still carry us through every trial. This morning, Lord, throughout this week, throughout this month, let us keep that in mind of your gift of abundance. Holy name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to They Didn't Teach Us That in Seminary. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Broadmoor underscore BC or find us on Facebook or YouTube by searching Broadmoor Baptist Baton Rouge. Thanks for listening to They Didn't Teach Us That in Seminary. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Broadmoor underscore BC or find us on Facebook or YouTube by searching Broadmoor Baptist Baton Rouge. New episodes every Monday or join us for services in person or online on Sundays.